free from fear and attachment, know the sweet joy of living in the way. This is from the Dhammapada, words of the Buddha. It's not often that I know the words, but these I know. <laughs> Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Rajesh with the Asaga. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm so glad you are here this morning, whether you're in the room or joining us on Facebook. Visitors and guests, we hope that you've got a blue name tag so we can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We love talking about why this community is so important to us, and we'd like to hear from you in terms of what you are looking for. Uh, we hope you'll join us after the platform uh, uh, for cookies and coffee in the lobby and in the social hall. Also, please consider sharing your email with us uh, on the gold sheet that can be found outside uh, at the welcome table. You can drop that sheet in the collection basket as it passes later in the platform service. 
our regular clergy person, Amanda Pope, is on sabbatical and will be back next week. Uh, we're delighted to have with us Karen Rasmussen, serving as a sabbatical clergy. We're also happy to have a wonderful range of different speakers. Our speaker today, I'm delighted to say, is James Croft. Uh, he is the Outreach Director of the Ethical Society of St. Louis. He says, and I quote, it's tempting to think of that joy is something that happens to us, an emotion that infects us at special moments, but not something that we can actually pursue. In this platform, James uh, suggests that this is not the whole story. We can learn to live our lives more joyfully and take more control of our emotions. I want to remind you to silence your electronic devices so that you can be fully present this morning, although we'd love it if you could check in on social media as well. Uh, and I now invite Susan Runner uh, to read our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. I just want to remind you that I represent the Global Connections Group, who has running water in every home in El Rodeo. <laughs> the Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit, with faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Susan. As Susan lights our community candle, I invite you all to join me in the candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today I'm particularly mindful of the victims of the mass shootings in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio, the many wounded and their families. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. Make yourself comfortable, close your eyes if you prefer. Relax your body and focus on your breath. 
Feel it filling your lungs in and out. In and out. Take a deep breath. And as you breathe in, fill your heart with the joy of being alive. Breathe in, breathe out. Remember your best friend when you were growing up. Breathe in, breathe out. Think of the fun you had together, the games you played, the things you did together. Breathe in, breathe out. Imagine what you felt and the joy of playing. Breathe in, breathe out. Now imagine that you're making something, shaping something of beauty. Imagine that feeling where you were immersed in the deep, that feeling of flow, the joy of creating. Breathe in, breathe out. Imagine you're out in the woods and every tree branch and leaf seems to be in focus, pulsing with life. Breathe in, breathe out. As you take in a breath, remember your favorite piece of music. Maybe you listened, maybe you played. Enjoy the music. Dance to the music. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathing in, we sense ourselves receiving light, love, fun, and aliveness. Breathing out, we offer our hearts into the world. Breathe in, breathe out.
Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you today. It is one of the greatest joys of my life to visit different ethical societies around the country. And although I don't have a favorite ethical society, apart from the Ethical Society of St. Louis, where I work, th this is my favorite ethical society. <laughs> I just love being here with you. I always take back so many ideas on things that we can do better. And so every time I come here, it enriches the society in St. Louis. And I just wanted you to know that before I began. Thank you so much for that glorious and perfectly on point music and for the meditation. I'm a terrible meditator. Does anyone else here hate meditating? I hate it. I cannot get my mind to be still. I'm always thinking about the next thing I have to do. And I usually just find it very annoying. It does the opposite for me as it does for most people. But I really got into that one with the words you were saying and the directions. I found that very valuable, particularly before speaking. It was very calming, it made me think of some happy memories from my youth. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Of all the extraordinary inventions of the modern world, one of my very favorites is emoji. <laughs> For the uninitiated, emoji are, according to the oracle of all knowledge, Wikipedia, ideograms and smileys used in electronic messages and web pages. You use emoji to give character to your text messages, expressing emotions and ideas 
through images instead of words. Emoji have a very long history. They developed from emoticons, which are icons created from regular typographical characters, which are meant to express emotion through their resemblance of the human face. Here, for example, are emoticons being used as far back as 1881 in the US satirical magazine Puck, and they're pretty good, and they're pretty much the same as the ones we use today. And emoji are a natural expansion of the same idea in which little graphics take the place of regular typographical characters, and they can express a very wide range of ideas. And I love them. Anyone who follows me on Facebook or on Twitter, and you should totally do both of those things, will be completely unsurprised by this. But when I text or contact people in a messaging app or make a post, I will pepper my communications with emoji. Emoji everywhere. And often I'll post something and I will follow it with three of the same emoji just to make my emotions crystal clear like this. And of all the hundreds of emoji, more than the winky face, and the mischievous devil, and what I think of as the sassy hand. And isn't that a very sassy hand? Even the Vulcan salute, which recently got its own emoji when Leonard Nimoy died. My very favorite and most used emoji is the face with tears of joy. And in fact, if you look on my phone, the most frequently used emoji, and this takes a lot of trust to share with you because you can learn an awful lot about a person from their most frequently used emoji. But I trust you, so I'm gonna share it. You will see that, yes indeed, the most frequently used emoji is the joy emoji, followed by the hearts for eyes emoji, which I also adore and the tears streaming down your cheeks emoji, which, don't worry, I usually use ironically. <laughs> I am, I admit, a very emotionally exuberant person, which is one of the main reasons I was banished from England and sent, <laughs> sent here to America, which is a much more emotionally demonstrative country in my experience. I am not alone in my love of emoji, however. The Oxford English Dictionary in 2015 declared the joy emoji word of the year, a coveted title which all words compete vigorously for. I hear it's a vicious competition because according to their research, it was the most used emoji globally in that year. Apparently, the joy emoji made up 20% of all the emojis used in the UK in 2015, and 17% of those in the US. So perhaps we're not as miserable in England as you thought. The joy emoji is much loved and much used not just by me. I'm not as weird as you might think. And this I think we can understand. Joy is perhaps the most coveted of all emotions. Many of our emotions have both good and bad qualities to them. An emotion like doubt or surprise 
can be good or bad depending on the context. But joy is an unalloyed positive. Everyone, I think, wants more joy in their life. And when we experience joy, we want to share it with other people. So the joy emoji becomes the most popular of all. But why does it look like it does? Why does that image mean joy? After all, there are lots of different emoji for various versions of happiness. Here are a few examples. We see on the left what I would describe as an enthusiastic smile. I think it's fair to say a happy person, open and friendly. And in the middle, we have what we might call a contented smile. The mouth is closed, the eyebrows are raised. That's the expression that I make when I snuggle into my couch and drink from a hot cup of tea at the end of a long, weary day. And finally, we have one closer to the joy emoji with an open mouth and lots of teeth showing, eyes scrunched like this. And that's someone perhaps in the middle of a laugh. But joy is still different. With joy, the mouth is wide open and huge, the brow is creased, and it's the only one with tears. We cry tears of joy. Joy is a rare emotion like that, intense and powerful. It's not just happiness, not quite contentment. It's not just the warm fuzz of meeting with a friend or the sense of satisfaction from a job well done. Joy can be exuberant and explosive or more internal, a sense of bone-deep peace, the conviction that nothing could be better than this moment. In either case, it can even be overwhelming, hence those tears. The reason why we cry when we are joyful is still somewhat mysterious to scientists. A 2014 article in the journal Psychological Science by researchers at Yale suggested that perhaps we cry at moments of great joy because our body is attempting to restore emotional equilibrium, balancing out the intense happiness with a physical expression more often associated with sadness, just as we sometimes find ourselves smiling or laughing when we're deep in sorrow. Perhaps, this research suggests, the tears which sometimes accompany joy are our body's attempt to return us to an even emotional keel. Perhaps. But the truth is, we don't really know. Joy is a mystery even to science. And it is also a mystery to me. I realized as I composed this platform that I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about joy. I'm a positive, energetic, upbeat person. I tend towards happiness. I'm also rather loud and boisterous, if you can't tell already. My husband will definitely confirm this is true. But I honestly had never deeply considered what joy is and how we might pursue it. And as I thought about it, I found it really difficult to pin down. 
I recalled my own personal moments of great joy, a time when I was overwhelmed with the beauty of a piece of music I was singing with a group in high school, a time when I was filled with so much happiness and gratitude at the presence of my family, rarely together as we celebrated the holidays, a time when I broke down laughing with my grandfather while sitting in the back garden of my family's home in London until we were both weeping uncontrollably. But I couldn't pull together a common thread which linked all those experiences. And my reading on the topic didn't really help. When I write a platform address, I usually do a lot of research. And in my research for this platform, I found so many definitions of joy, many of which are totally incompatible with each other. Here are a couple of contradictory definitions of joy I discovered in my search. Joy is a sudden burst of happiness, like an elevator in a building that takes you up to higher levels of happiness only for a small amount of time and then brings you back. Okay, so a sudden burst of happiness that lasts only a short time. Then I found this, joy is lasting based on inward circumstances. So lasting, but also impermanent. How can that be? And the best thing was, those definitions came from the same web page. Well, I thought perhaps it's a personal matter. Perhaps people experience joy in different ways, and there are many variable definitions of joy because we're all different. We each have our own definition of joy, and that's that. Now, that doesn't satisfy me because even though we are all different, in the words of Monty Python, we're all individuals. We are all human beings as well, and we share much of our emotional repertoire. We may describe our feelings using different words, but we have a common set of feelings. And we all know, I think, that there is a difference between mere happiness or contentment and joy, even if we can't quite agree on what that difference is. So instead of thinking about my own experiences, I started to think about the people in my life who I considered to be most joyful, to see if they could offer a hint. And based on one encounter with one such person, I'm going to give you my best guess about what we can learn about being more joyful. But I accept I could very well be wrong. And today, I really welcome your thoughts after the platform and to talk with you when we're finished about it. One of the most joyful experiences of my life, which tipped me off to the nature of joy, was spending a day with legendary cellist Yo-Yo Ma. Yes, I thought that might impress you. <laughs> I was attending a special weekend workshop about the arts and education, which was the focus of much of my research at Harvard. And Yo-Yo Ma was one of the presenters and participants. And he was sharing with us his work on the Silk Road Project, which he founded to create music that engages difference, sparking radical cultural collaboration and passion-driven learning to build a more hopeful world. 
And you can see from this image of the Silk Road Project musicians that it is a very joyful enterprise. These look like happy people. And that joyfulness, I think, can be traced to the project's founder. Because what impressed me about Yo-Yo Ma was the intensity of joy with which he approached absolutely everything he did. One afternoon, I was sitting at a small table with him, and his joy was more than infectious. It was weaponized. <laughs> when he laughed, which was very, very often, he threw his joy around the room, not at all in an obnoxious way, but in an inviting way, as if he was welcoming everyone present to partake in his emotion. He would find something, a little something someone said, or a piece of music someone played, just absolutely delightful, and he would turn and look at everyone on the table, this enraptured expression on his face like this, <laughs> to make sure everybody was feeling the same feeling, sort of like a human Muppet. And in fact, Yo-Yo Ma is kind of a human Muppet because he has appeared on Sesame Street multiple times. There he is playing his cello with Elmo. And as we were working with him, it was impossible not to be swept up in his joy. And I was profoundly affected by Ma's joyfulness. It was simply delightful to be in the same room as him. And his example has stuck with me ever since. Now, to be fair, Yo-Yo Ma has a life which might lend itself easily to joy. He has a career he clearly loves. He's one of the most famous and well-regarded musicians in the world, perhaps in the history of the world. He's sold millions of records and been awarded countless accolades. So we might be forgiven for thinking that joy would come easily to him, given the success he has achieved. But I don't think that's quite the whole story. I had a sense back then, and I believe it's still now, that Yo-Yo Ma's joy was in some important way a choice. It wasn't just the byproduct of an extremely successful career, because I don't know about you, I know plenty of people with very successful careers who are also deeply miserable. But the fruits instead of a joyful orientation toward life. Somehow, I intuited then, Yo-Yo Ma had learned to be joyful. And that suggests that we can too. I'm not saying that we can turn joy on and off like a light switch. I don't think we have that level of control over our emotions. But I think we can tend to the garden of our experience so that it is more welcoming to the bright, chirruping bird of joy. How do we do that? I think, and I must say that I am tentative about these conclusions, but I think the joyful orientation has at least th these three components. The first is service. In one interview, Ma was thinking aloud about his role as a musician, and he said this, I've been thinking music is a service. Music was invented because it does something to create community. 
Yes, musicians need to live, they need to have food. The transactional part comes further down the chain. But the actual purpose of music is an offering. It's a service. If you have that attitude, you can't go wrong because you're always in the right place. You're in the right state of mind to make that offering. I think of the music we had today in that sense as an offering. And I think that this sense of one's whole life as an offering to others is one part of the joyful orientation toward life. And in fact, research supports the idea that when we do things for other people, even something simple like washing the dishes for them or mowing their lawn, we feel more happy and our levels of anxiety decrease. And I believe an orientation towards serving other people, improving others' lives, is a key component of a joyful life. I'm not talking about service in a self-abnegating way, a way in which we debase ourselves in order to give to others. Doing things for others because we believe they are worth more than us. But rather I'm talking about genuinely recognizing the gifts that we have and considering how others might benefit from those gifts. And we all have gifts that we can offer those around us. You don't have to be able to play the cello, luckily, because I can't, in order to be an offering to those around us. When we see ourselves as having something to offer others, we get both satisfaction of being valued to other people, and we reinforce our sense of self-worth, because we come to understand that we have the power to improve others' lives. And that, I think, is part of how we can learn to be joyful. But service to others is not enough to invite joy into our life. Sometimes people serve others in a grudging or ascetic way, seeming to derive no satisfaction from what they offer others, just doing it because they think they must. And that won't lead to joy. I think the joyful orientation includes, along with the desire to offer our gifts to other people, a sense of gratitude for the opportunity to make a difference. Another quote from Ma, I feel very, very blessed to have such an interesting life and to be able to have little snapshots of lives of people from many different parts of the world. That sense of gratitude for the life we have, for the blessedness of our existence, is key to joy, I think. It's not always possible to access, and we certainly won't feel it all the time. But when we can take a moment to be thankful of the opportunity of living, I think we're moving toward joy. No less authorities than the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, authors of the Book of Joy, so they should know, call gratitude one of the pillars of joy. And having observed their career throughout their life, they seem to me to be more joyful than most, particularly in that wonderful picture. Finally, I think that to live a life full of joy requires us to share our joy with others. If joy comes from offering ourselves fully and with gratitude to others, then joy is a social emotion. 
We might say that we can experience happiness alone, but joy requires company. And that has been my experience, at least. Joy comes most readily to me when I'm sharing my life with others. I think it no coincidence that Yo-Yo Ma is a serial collaborator, choosing to make music with people from all over the world, constantly stretching himself by building new relationships through his music. And this clearly brings him enormous joy, the connections he makes with others, enriching his own experience of life. And I think that can be true of us too. When we make deep connections with other people, learning from them and allowing them to learn from us, I think the feelings of connection and abundance which come with that can help us be more joyful. In fact, I think this social component of joy helps explain one of the mysteries with which we began. Why the joy emoji is the most popular of all. Because by sharing our joy with others, we help them become more joyful, which then rebounds on us. It is a virtuous cycle. As Shakespeare said, joy delights in joy. And the more joy we radiate, the more we receive in return. Service, gratitude, sharing, the three components of joy, according to James Croft. Yes, thank you very much. What, wait, 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 I'm not finished, I'm not finished. <laughs> I was just thanking you for the laughter, not for the... But what evidence do we have that I am right. I have to admit that this question bothered me while I was preparing this address because I'm aware that I cannot prove that pursuing those three elements will help you become more joyful. But I have two reasons at least to think so, drawn from my own experience. The first is weddings. I love to perform weddings and I have performed a lot of weddings this year, particularly this summer. I have one coming up Friday, actually. And in every wedding, I see those three components of joyfulness. In my judgment, it's not the music or the beautiful outfits or even the food which brings the couple joy on their wedding day. Rather, it is their commitment to serve each other, to bring out the best in each other. Their gratitude for the goodness of their relationship and for the presence of their friends and family and the sharing of their joy in public and their family and friends reflecting that joy back at them. It's truly an enormous privilege to be in the middle of all that joy. And I often end wedding ceremonies with tears in my eyes and a face aching from smiling just like that emoji. So that's my first piece of evidence. And the second comes from what I'm doing right now. Because as I thought about it more, I realized that the thing that gives me the most joy in the world is standing here and speaking with you, my ethical humanist community. Here, I feel I am being of service. I wake up every morning grateful for the opportunity and privilege to serve a community like this. And I love sharing this space with you as 
every meet, every week you meet to seek the highest in yourselves and in each other. Do you know how this work makes me feel? Like this. Thank you very much. Dream.